Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hello there. Welcome to the very latest Driven Chat Podcast. I'm Andy J, and the man whose phone you can hear... (laughs) (laughs) It was the throaty... That was almost a pervert's laugh, John. Oh, sorry. Pervy laugh (laughs) and a phone noise to start a podcast. (laughs) That's John Markar. (laughs) Now, we have quite a lot of cool things to share with you today. This is one of those days where, like, if I was a fighting pigeon, my chest would be puffed out with pride. A fighting pigeon? I don't know. Do such things exist? Oh, they do now. But you, you know what I mean, as in you puff out your chest and you get excited. <laughs> yeah. If this was Street Fighter, I'd be Zangief beating my chest with joy, having just fought Blanker and beaten him. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm really tired. It's John and I have been up since the silly o'clock in the morning. I'm currently drinking, I don't drink coffee, I'm currently inhaling a very sugary caffeine drink. Um, but we are sitting looking down the international paddock. We have pitched up our Driven Chat truck at Silverstone, at the Silverstone Classic. And this is the beginning. We're recording this at the start of our day. This is the beginning of what is going to be either the day from hell or one of the most exciting days we've ever had, John. I agree. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, as you say, as, as you quite rightly pointed out, Andy, it's been an early start. It's already been quite a long day. But we are sat right this minute in our studio truck, as we usually are at Caffeine and Machine. But of course, this week, no, we're at Silverstone. And we're looking out onto Park Ferme, which is the gathering area for cars before and occasionally after their racing. So we are going to see a lot of cars today, hear a lot of cars today. And that's going to build up to be an additional podcast and radio episode 
next week. Yeah, we're, we're literally just, this is the flashing of the leg. We are teasing you <laughs> that next week we'll be here from the Silverstone Classic. And I'll tell you what, we have a really cool list of hopeful names for conversations, this being the event that it is, and the expected heavens opening. We're expecting a lot of rain. Mm. Some people will show up, as promised. Some people will have to chase. Some people will probably... I'm not going to promise any names, John, because there's some. No. I, I've got a little list in my back of back in my mind of people that we won't get, even though they've said yes. <laughs> and find out who those guests are or are not next week. Exactly. However, the focus is on this week, and I'm excited for this one. I'm really thrilled that we're able to do this as a double header. Do you want to do it, John? Well, I think as you got to interview them, I'll intro them because. When you told me you were going to be speaking to them, I got very excited, and I have a funny feeling. I mean, I like doing these big reveals because, of course, most people have read the title of the podcast already. They can see yeah. the names, but I'm going to say it anyway, in just in case you're it's such an anticlimax, isn't it? It is. <laughs> but you might be driving along, and we've skipped to the next episode. And you know, thanks for that. That's always that's always fun. Uh, just in case you haven't glanced at your centre console to see the names Richard Hammond and James May, both of them, both of them, in one podcast episode with Andy J. And you're about to hear it. Yes, and just to point out, it's not the two of them sitting down together in a room with me. It's one each. So who should we hear from first? I can. What I will tell you is, <clears throat> the James May chat is the most glorious, <laughs> rambly... So I, I, we should be flagging as well. I'm, I've been very fortunate to have had long, long in-depth conversations about about their lives yes, and their backgrounds and their upbringings and what got them to Top Gear and Grand Tour and so on and so forth. Previous to this conversation, or each of these conversations that you're going to hear now, those are full-hour specials that you can mm. hear via our other podcast, which is rather embarrassingly titled The Andy J Podcast. I would like to point out I did not title that. I did. John titles it. <laughs> but it is called The Andy J Podcast, and if you haven't heard it yet, we have two, um, I think it's hour-long, in-depth conversations with Jeremy Clarkson. Yep. Which are really interesting. The first one in particular is very, very yes, good. The second is. one is more sort of about the farming show, but I love the farming show, so it was easy to chat to him about sheep and so on. Then we have a full hour recorded exactly a year to the day that I recorded with James May, which was yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, exactly a year ago. Um, so we have a full hour with James May, utterly fascinating about his life and what... And it's, that's like an hour and 25 minutes or something. Yeah, that's a, long a much chat. longer chat. And then we also have an hour with Richard Hammond that was recorded at the start of this year, late January 2021. So if you'd like to know about them as people, rather than them plugging their show and so on, which is a little bit of what we're going to hear today, <laughs> although there's not much plugging, actually, John. We sort of no, take big Rich, tangents. Richard does a considerably better PR job than James, <laughs> so I think we should start with Richard. Yeah, here's the deal. Richard <laughs> is going to tell you about the new Grand Tour show, which you probably already watched by now. But if you haven't, it's called Lockdown, spelt the Scottish way. Lockdown. Thank you. Uh, and it's great fun. And Richard, basically, about a half hour with Richard, where we mostly focus on the show. Then we'll hear from James, where we barely talk about the show at all. And I think <laughs> there's part of the reason for that is Richard, I managed to speak to him on a day when he was talking to quite a lot of other people. Yeah. So he was very sort of press ready. He had his kind of... PR phrases and everything else. James, on the other hand, and I'm extremely flattered by this, I think, I think we were the only people he spoke to, uh, which is really, really lovely. But as a result, he kind of, we both sort of forgot what we were doing. <laughs> and we just have one of these lovely meandering conversations about him, his life, his hair, his, uh, his musical abilities, and lots of car stuff in there, of course. But I almost have to force him to plug the show. <laughs> 
and force him into like even even loaded things like the the show is called lockdown so i say well but we still have to talk lockdown james and so he talks about his lockdown about what he did in the covid lockdowns rather than to lockdown <laughs> rather than lockdown the tv show that <laughs> we were there to talk about which was great um but also there's a moment in the tv show if you haven't seen it i'm not going to spoil it for you but it does involve the discovery and revelation that james spends a lot of time in the restroom and of course i had to quiz him on that and he tries to put he, he tries to put some wrongs to right there if you've seen the show you'll understand it if you haven't it'll make sense in some point in time in the future, and it's a bit of a giggle. Shall we Shall we jump in, John? Let's jump in. We're going to start with Richard Hammond. There'll be a short pause, and then James May. We might even play one of those um, driven chat stings. Oh, there'll be a little dri- driven chat advert opportunity jingle in the middle. If you'd like to, John, we never ask people to give us, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not asking. No, in fact, I don't want reviews. Just, tell you just what, some stars. Tell you what, yeah, no, some stars would be lovely because it does it genuinely does help us. And if you are listening on things like Spotify, if you can hit that follow button, it it does magical things for us. And I know a lot of people listen to us on Spotify. Tens of thousands of people listen to us on Spotify. If you just if, if you, you happen to be with the app in your hand, just hit that little follow button. It doesn't change anything, but it does great things for us. So that is great. Stick around to the very. Uh, oh well, in fact, no. What I'll say, I'm not. We won't. We won't finish off with them another waffly chat but if you want to hear those interviews that andy did on the andy j podcast with clarkson hammond and may all those separate ones go into the little blurb bit below and i'll include some links and that's a nice easy click for you they're really good conversations not nothing to do with me the three mm. of them each oh, of them fantastic. fantastic they they were just so generous i've not heard the clarkson one in particular took me by absolute surprise because yes. i'd obviously prior to my conversation with him i'd immersed myself in anything he might have already done which incidentally is not a lot yeah. And I'd never, ever heard him be so revealing. That's nothing to do with me. It's the fact that he was just in a, in a mood where he wanted to share. Yeah. And it felt the same with James and similarly Richard. I mean, Richard talks about having a midlife crisis and, and all sorts of other sort of things. Things that you wouldn't expect to hear from the holy trinity of automotive mm. broadcast journalism. They are terrific company, so I would endorse you very much to go and check those out if, you, um, if you'd be so kind. But thank you all for your company today. Thank you for choosing the Driven Chat podcast. It does mean the world to us. As John has said, you are out there in your, well, tens and tens and tens we of, are over, hundreds of we thousands. We are over 130,000 listeners. It's, it's, it's thank c- you. kind of blowing my mind every time I say it. <laughs> it's amazing. So yeah. thank you very much. And it that really seems to be going up by a rocketing rate every, every yeah. week. So thank you very much. Thank you for choosing it. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's your chance. Tell your friends. We'll keep doing this. And the more people that listen, the bigger the guests we can get. We wouldn't have got James May and Richard Hammond mm. without you guys chipping in and listening and joining the conversation. So thank you. Should we... Hey, Richard. Let's do it. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Well, welcome back to the show. Now, if you thought we'd peaked in our celebrity guests with Jensen Button or Damon Hill or maybe James Martin, I'm happy to prove you wrong. Because right now, if this was a pack of cards, I'm pulling out the ace of diamonds. It's the one and only Richard Hammond. How are you doing, Richard? I'm recovering from the most ridiculously flattering introduction I've ever received in my entire life, mate. I'm very well, thank you. (laughs) Well, I felt I had to better the last time we spoke when I told you I was elated and you didn't believe me. So, you know... I've I've, I've got sweaty now. You just listed just a a stream of stellar stars (laughs) who can all do things better than I can. So, uh, but thank you very much. Do you know, this is what I felt... We've spoken a few times now, Richard. I'm always slightly blown away by how humble you are. And I kind of feel like you don't believe you're celebrity. 
Well, does anybody ever really? Unless you do, I think you've gone loopy. Um, no, because it's just, it, it, it's, look, that's just a byproduct of a great job, isn't it? I get to do an amazing job, have incredible adventures with my mates and, and, and have experiences I'd never otherwise have had. That's why I do it. And it's, it's amazing. And, and I've been doing it for 30 years and I'm a very lucky boy. But the celebrity bit, that's, that's a byproduct. That's not, that's not an end in itself. So occasionally you bump up. And also where I live, out in the middle of nowhere, it, it's not it's relevant in day-to-day life, is it? When I'm walking my dog, you don't walk your dog as somebody off the telly. You just walk your dog. Um, it's only when I bump up against it if I'm you know, in town or somebody says something ridiculous like you just said, and you think, oh, oh, yeah, I forgot to watch it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess London, I, I suppose... If I know it's not for you, but if there was like a celebrity battery, you know, and, and you need to be fully charged to feel kind of like really important and special, popping into a, a city would, would do that recharge, wouldn't it? It's an idea for a short story in that. That's brilliant. Yes, probably, I mean, if people needed it, yes. But I think if you did doing it for, for its own sake, I don't think, well, if that's what it does it for you, brilliant, good luck to you. But it, it wouldn't for me. It's only ever a, a byproduct. You can't, you know, you're not going to put something on TV and hope nobody watches it. You want people to watch it, but you want them to watch it for what you created and what it is. You know, we want them to watch our shows on the Grand Tour because we think, we hope they're entertaining and they show what it's like when three blokes go on adventures together and sometimes it's even about cars. Um, (laughs) and, and, And that's what we want out of it. As a byproduct of that, you find you turn up in places and people recognize you. Yes, yes, in this case, Scotland. Shall we? I, I'm so, I've seen the show. It's so much fun. I'm so keen to discuss it. And there's, there's loads we have to discuss, actually, Richard, in the time we have. The new show, let's get straight in. It's called Lockdown, spelt Scottish lock rather than L-O-C-K. Yeah. Um, which, love it. Was that, was that your title, Richard? Do you know, I have a feeling, and... I have a feeling it was Amazon themselves. I don't want to take credit away from anyone else because Richard Porter has been writing with us for years and he's a genius. I mean, a very talented man and a novelist. Yeah. Um, But it it was, um, I think it might have been Amazon. There are a few people in their marketing departments who every time blow us away. Normally, you're a bit cynical when you make a TV show and you hand it in and then marketing people and you're always like, "Mm, now they're going to try and be clever. But Amazon's lot are really good and I think... It might have been them that came up with that, but it's good. Anyway, the reason it's called Lockdown is uh, travel was obviously a little bit compromised for us, along with everybody else in the world. Um, And the the, the title Grand Tour presented a problem. Um, And so we couldn't really go very far afield. Not We couldn't sort of tie it down and guarantee being able to get there. And by the time we've done all the planning, it then all goes away. And we thought, but we wanted to deliver something because it's our job. Um, and then we thought, well, wait a minute. Scotland is utterly beautiful to behold. There's no doubt. For sure. Some of the best scenery in the world. And there's the clue. It is some of the best scenery in the world and some of the most interesting places. And, okay, it's close if you live in, in the U.K., but not if you live in North America or Japan or somewhere. It's it's remote and exotic and distant. So we thought, well, hang on a minute. Well, well let's go there. Um, and we had a story we wanted to explore, which was, I don't know how old you are. You'll be younger than me, obviously. But... Only, only a little bit. I'm 43, so just a little younger than you. Well, yeah, about eight years. That's quite a lot. Um, but you, you probably will remember, certainly when I was growing up and the three of us when we were growing up, We'd watch on TV, you know, Starsky and Hutch and the A-Team and all of these things. 
And everybody was racing around in fabulous big American cars that looked ace. And then you'd look out the window, and on your drive would be the Morris Marina or the Hillman Avenger. You'd think, oh, dreary, drab little. Oh, we have cars like those, that flamboyant and big and exciting and noisy and loud and in amazing colours. And it's because they weren't sold in this country. And we thought, well, we need to. Why? Why weren't they? So let's go and get them and see how they function in this country. So we did. Um, so we got three enormous, um, very stylish, striking old American cars and, uh, and set about having an adventure in them. And that's where it, that was the stepping off point, as they say, for this latest adventure. It's such a simple elevator pitch as well, isn't it, Richard, when you think about it? Well, we're locked down, so we're going to take three massive American cars to the tiny streets of, of Scotland. Brilliant. Yeah, well, we're simple men. Don't, don't forget that. So a simple pitch good because then we can grasp it um so one thing i will say is because because it i don't know what it was about it maybe because we hadn't got off a long-haul flight or we weren't caught up so much because we're fairly familiar with scotland even though hopefully you know a lot of the viewers won't be and they will become so through the film um i think whatever reason it, it was incredibly warm and friendly and charming and nice. It was lovely to do. It was a very nice trip to go on. We thoroughly enjoyed it. And you can see that in the film. You can definitely see that it, it's it's kind of old school us. Um, we were mates. And there, and there were a few moments of proper hilarity. What we're blessed with um, is bad luck, which is great. <laughs> there we are. This stuff goes wrong for us. It doesn't go wrong in normal life. Um, and if you watch the film, or you might have watched it by now, you might might remember when, when, for instance, Jeremy's caravan comes unhitched. So we're, I won't give it away because if you haven't watched it yet, it's still there to go and have a look. But we're pulling caravans and they're always going to be fun. <laughs> and we set off with that in mind. But we were getting from one place to another. Um, and I heard from behind me, wait a minute, there's been a problem. What? So I stopped and, and I couldn't turn around because we were on a narrow, rutted track. And I had a caravan behind my enormous Buick Riviera. So I ran back to go and see what had happened. And there was Jeremy's car, but no caravan in evidence. And he had literally been driving down a hill, and his caravan had simply come unhitched. Yes. Actually, the bar had come off, is what happened. Now, this was not planned. If we'd planned that as a stunt, it would have taken two days. There'd have been a stunt coordinator and a team of people. It would have cost a fortune. Yep. And Huge it wouldn't... insurance challenges. And it wouldn't have been as good because he was genuinely driving along, looked in his mirror and realized, wait a minute, my caravan's coming past me. James was behind him and thought, hold on a minute, I can see Jeremy's caravan, but not Jeremy's car. And his caravan just set off into the woods. And that was so lucky, the same as when I, I was um, pulling um, a pontoon with Jeremy on it in a little fishing boat that we borrowed. But because of the way I'd tied it up, and this was not, again, this would have required the same coordination and expense and time to make it as a stunt. I set off to pull this thing, and, and it, well, long story short, the boat sinks in about 10 seconds flat. Yes. Um, well, you, and, you sunk it, Richard. I well, mean, yes. Let's, let's not beat around the bush. You had another now, another one of your accidents. I, 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 yeah, that's pretty much what happened. I was in a... <laughs> Um, and again, that was just blind luck. It was not. Into, it, I was trying to move the pontoon from one place to another. That was it. But it sat, and it sank incredibly quickly. And better still, if you watch, um, there's a, one of those little tiny, almost disposable cameras that can survive in water. Had been fitted to the boat to film me driving along in the boat. Yeah. But as it, it holds me in frame above it, 
perfectly. And I'm, you know, I, this was, you can tell it's not a stunt because I'm wearing jeans, boots, an Aaron sweater and a wax jacket. Um, I did have a life jacket on, but I forgot to inflate it. And I'm in the sea off the Isle of Uist, which you would not choose to go in at that time of year. Those <laughs> no. things and holds me in frame perfectly as it disappears. So we have both bad luck and very good luck. And what we got was, you know, two great scenes that we didn't plan those in. Um, and there were lots of moments like that in the film when, if you look at our faces, that is genuine proper laugh. Yes, yes, it oh. is. Yes, actually, I, I must say, Richard, when you were in the sea, shall we say, I didn't see sort of lots and lots of bodies leaping in to save you. I, I get the sense well, that because they were laughing. Well, it's because as well that, you know, we're with the same crew. We've been, by and large, most of them for 20-odd years. Um, they've grown up with us. They started as in their early 20s, and they're now in their 40s. Um, and they know they know the drill. They know if something goes wrong, unless one of us is about to die. And even then, um, we know that's what the show is is founded on. That's what it needs to work. So they will keep rolling and laughing. James apparently looked up. I didn't see it because obviously I was busy um, trying not to drown. But James just looked up and said, well, how did he do that? <laughs> because, uh, but but uh, we all know that there's a sort of thrill goes through the whole crew and everyone realizes, oh, brilliant. We've got one of those special moments that we can't plan for. Um, and our camera crew's sound and vision are exceptionally good at being ready to grab those because they know that's the real meat of this show. That's what people want. They want to see stuff genuinely go wrong for real and then the others react for yes, real. Exactly. No, precisely. I mean, you can script it to within an image of its life. You can set up certain things. You can uh, create events where you expect things to happen. But the gold has always been you three reacting to things that, that are unexpected. Yeah, I mean, as I say, you, you have to go out with an idea of what you're going to do because it's it's not an inexpensive show to make. Um, and you can't just set off going, well, I will just drive about Scotland and some stuff's bound to happen. You can't. So we have to have some sort of hard points that we know, well, hopefully that'll work. But then we also know when we come back and the real genius behind the show, Andy Wilman, is editing it. Um, he needs those real treats, the real moments that have unfolded. You can't guarantee them. You never can. Um, but we're pretty confident those will be the bits that make up the show and all the bits we planned we throw out the window. Yes, which is all the fun, isn't it, really? you just got to go, yeah, yeah we're, we're setting off, we'll see what happens. Yes, there are some yeah. things we're getting to, but basically we're going to see what happens. Yeah, hopefully some stuff goes wrong. And as I said, we're blessed with both bad luck and good. Bad because my boat sank, good because the cameras were in the perfect positions it turned out to film the event. Yes, and it made you must have got pretty chilly though, Richard. I mean, it looked cold. Oh, it was unbelievable. I, I got out and I was all right at first. I, was, I felt burning because it, I mean, it was extraordinarily cold. Everybody else was wrapped up in big coats and scarves and hats. Um, and I, I had to sort of splotch and, and squidge my way back to the van. And, and I had some dry clothes in the van. Well, you know, my suitcase was in the van, the, the crew van. Um, so I've got some clothes out ready and I stripped off and I was standing there in my underpants when everybody else is standing there in, in coats and I was boiling because it was a sort of reaction because it was so much warmer in the air than it was in the sea. <laughs> yeah. Now later when I suddenly thought, oh no, wait a minute, I'm absolutely frozen. <laughs> um, so nobody felt sorry for me, obviously. But I... <laughs> <laughs> well, the boat, the boat moment... It... Like like you, I'm anxious not to give too much away because if people haven't seen it yet, they are going to, and therefore we don't want to give them spoilers. But the the boat moment comes late in the film, where you are 
constructing something really quite special. And you guys do a really good job of it. I've got to say, I was really impressed. Yeah, our floating bridge arrangement is quite good, isn't it? Yeah. It's, I, I necessarily want to drive over one every day. Um, but yeah, it was great fun and it worked. But I, I think overall, again, even the way that played out, what, what I'd watch out for in it is that, that warmth. And it's sort of, um, it's us in a very relaxed way. It's quite a charming film. We're all we're all really pleased with it. We all came back having had a great time making it. Maybe, and I don't know why it is. Maybe it's because, in some strange way, some of the pressure was off because we weren't thinking, right, we're in, out of Mongolia or in Mongolia. We've only got two weeks to do this. We've got to get it done. Got to get it done. We knew, well, we're in Scotland. Yeah. You know, it's not far. Home. So we were relaxed. And I think you can see that in the film. And I think it's it's in some ways better for it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I cannot wait, and we can none of us wait, to zoom off somewhere dangerous, full of big spiders and alligators or ice caps or whatever else, um, and have another big adventure. But it's been great fun, and this is the first one of two. It's yes. a two-part. Yes, and so there's another UK special in coming. Yeah. Just because we wanted to get something done while we couldn't go far afield. And both films, I think, have done exactly that. They've, they've kept the, sort of, the whole feel of it alive, and, and, and I... I'm really pleased with them. We all are. We all had great fun doing them and we're pleased with the results. Yes, I bet. Do you know, it feels, I don't know if, if, if you feel this as well, Richard, but watching this, it feels like the least competitive of all the shows you've done together. You know what I mean? It's, it's the spirit well, um, is, is more supportive. Well, steady on, chap. <laughs> you know what I mean, uh, though. It's not sort of, I've got to get there have, before everyone else and everything. We, we have done that in the past, though. We have sometimes made films where we're not in a race. Uh, it's it's always it's it is a different dynamic, um, and we're not overtly and overly supporting one another. Nobody wants to watch that, uh, but we are. Um, we're all headed towards the same goal. We're all exploring the same point. In this case, we were all exploring why didn't we have massive, glamorous American cars in our childhood? Why did we have the Austin Allegro? Um, and so when we're all exploring the same thing together, there's no need to say you brought the wrong car or point out what's wrong with that. And we do, obviously. Yes. But that's the point of the film. Um, yeah, we, we have we have gone that route before and we'll do again. Uh, and it, it does make for a warm film. I mean, that's not to say we won't be setting something up in the future when we're in just rabid competition against one another, because we will be. Of course. That's essential. Yes. Yes. That's what we <laughs> On this occasion, we're all good. I was interested in the timing of this, and this is where you'll appreciate this as a, as a TV person, Richard. We are used to schedules where you're, you know you, you kind of release something at a certain time because it's there are viewers watching this, and this is the right show for this moment and all the rest of it. And it's obviously different with streaming services because it's all access everywhere universally. You know, when I got the, the sort of ping notification that this was going to be coming out in the middle of the Olympics, in the summer and everything my instant sort of traditional broadcaster was like, what? Hang on, but nobody would be watching. But it's completely different with streaming, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a totally changed landscape, the idea of sort of scheduled linear programming. I mean, I, I look at my two daughters, and they're, what, 21 and 18 now. But the idea for them that you would sit down and watch what, something thinks, what somebody thinks you should watch at that given moment is completely alien. Yeah. I mean, that said, I, there is still, without getting too industry serious, I think there is still a very big role, and it will, it, it will grow again for broadcasting in the old sense, in the shared communal experience. Um, 
when you're watching it at a given time and a certain part of whatever you're watching might not amuse, enthrall or horrify you, but you know how the people over the road are going to react and you know they'll be watching it as well as broadcasting. It's a shared experience. Mm. And I think we will gravitate back towards some of that. But I think equally, being freed up from scheduling and scheduling conflicts and a need to sort of cynically play a game against one another. Oh, they're putting that out at that time, so let's hold this back and put this out at that time. I, th I think that's also quite healthy, losing that. I think it's great that we've got the amount of choice that we have and that programs can have a long, long life, yes, a long life. Um, and we, we, we are, we've become our own schedulers, which is great because you might not be in the mood to watch, say, our show at a particular moment. It might be completely inappropriate. You might want to watch a hard-hitting documentary because that's how you feel. Well, mm. great, do it. Mm. And then when you're feeling in need of some light relief, there we are. Um, so I, I think that the whole broadcasting landscape is a great place at the moment. Being, being able to romp about and find what you want or sometimes look at things like Love Island and the big hits. There's still terrestrial television. It still exists. Yes. I think I think it's one of the roles that radio has as well that, that's particularly strong is that you turn your radio on and you you simply you consume what it offers to you at that time. Yes, and that's precisely. great. You still get that tribal affinity with your own preferred station, yes. and you switch it. I kind of like the vibe of what they serve up. I like it. And you know what? Part of the fun of that is seeing what am I going to get. It's a bit like I went to a restaurant local to me the other day um, where it's a set meal and. You sit down and you get what you get. Oh, you're brave. And, you're a brave man. And, but I love that because actually sometimes choice isn't, choice isn't the best thing. There's nothing, there's nothing quintessentially human about choice. If you think in terms of food, well, we, you, didn't, you didn't set off as a hunter-gatherer to think, mm, I really fancy um, truffles today. So I'm, I'm going to ignore those apples that I've seen over there. And I don't, I don't know. I don't want those vegetables. I want, I, I, you wouldn't. You just go and gather what you could. And that, there was no choice. Um, and part of the fun, the thrill, was seeing what you got. And the same with with the arts, with, with culture, with whatever you're consuming. Sometimes I think it's really good to be open to whatever comes your way and consume it. So I think that the two ways of consuming media can exist in parallel and will continue to do so to great effect and to the benefit of all of us. After all, we created it. It's what we want. Yes. Yes, you're absolutely right. No, it's a very salient Thank point, Richard. Thank you. I do car show good grief yeah <laughs> that was a tangent for me i mean I, I tell you what while we're on tangents richard when we last spoke it was the end of january this year and we were talking about the great escapists and we had a really lovely i think we had an hour chatting about life the universe and everything and one of your throwaway remarks i don't know if you're aware of this because you probably mute yourself on google alert and whatnot but the all the newspapers seem to pick up on it because we talked about you being 51 and you you sort of claimed you were having a sort of midlife crisis and we we sort of discussed that a bit it, mm. if you don't mind me saying you sound in a very positive place right now um yeah i think i'm quite enjoying i'm i'm still you know midlife crisising away merrily it's great fun um <laughs> but, but i i sold a load of my cars and motorcycles the a lot of them were taken away yesterday because i've decided to set up a classic car restoration workshop because my grandfather was a coach builder. That's what he did. He worked at Mulliners and latterly at Jensen. Um, so it's, it's in my blood, but I don't have his skills. Um, but I wanted to sort of be involved more meaningfully in the world of cars. 
So I've taken the decision to do that. And you know what? Unburdening myself of a load of cars and motorcycles feels really quite good. And it's probably part of the same midlife. Maybe that's why I'm in such a good mood today. Um, I well, it's, of- it's the power of purpose. You know, I, I got the sense in January that you were just a little stir crazy. You were just a little bit like, come on, I want to get on with things. I think I was alone there, was I, in January? I think no. we were all... <laughs> Um, maybe, but maybe in common with a lot of people, maybe a lot of others are feeling the same. That, that the sense of the lightning of that that burden of lockdown, um, and also divesting myself of other things, like yes, and packing off a load of cars and bikes, in which were held a lot of memories and dreams and aspirations of mine. Um, but then going away and waving off the trucks yesterday and then thinking, well, that's all right. I'm still here. I'm still on planet Earth. And actually what I've done with it is buy a load of equipment and stuff that I need for this this workshop and that will uh, actually do good work. It, it, uh, what that ties into, and again, this is a bit midlife crisis maybe, um, the reason I'm fascinated with classic cars is as an industry, it's vast. Something like 18 billion a year in the UK, it turns over. Many times the size of the whole fisheries industry. Mm-hmm. But it's a business founded on, because it's, it's restoring, repairing, making do. Those are very current themes, aren't they? Yes. Um, founded, therefore, on skills, labor, hours, work, rather than consumption of materials and energy. So it's incredibly green, actually, in a way. And it's also, it's somehow not so material. It's a strange thing because you, you're, you're in the business of restoring things that are imbued with people's at the time when the thing was new, aspirations, what they wanted to signal about themselves, be they the manufacturer or the consumer of the car. It's quite ethereal um, as opposed to material. And I think that's somehow quite a good thing. And maybe that's why I'm finding immense comfort in that. In, as I as I voyage into my fifties and into middle, <laughs> it's it's definitely a good thing, Richard. I mean, we're seeing this in the fashion industry. You know, I was chatting to Mary Portis very recently, and she was telling me that so many youngsters are now deliberately going to charity shops for their fashion. Yep. Because yep. it's, it's sustainable, it's reusable, and with classic cars, it's exactly the same thing. You're saving cherished, beloved, beautiful pieces that shouldn't yep. be on a scrap heap. And weirdly, the the um, a guy called Henry Pym has set up a thing called um, Historic um, and Classic Vehicle Association, and they're, they're 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 wanting to preserve cars like the ones we drove in lockdown um, from being wrapped up in the whole the business of decarbonising the transport infrastructure network, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Um, and electric cars absolutely have a role to play in that. This is a separate issue. Because they're from an industry, because the classic car business as a whole is about restoration, reusing, making do. It's about hours and labor and skills rather than materials and energy as a result. And because most classic cars do less than a 1,000 miles a year, most classic car owners, their classic car, its carbon footprint is about half the size annually of their mobile phone. Yeah. They mustn't get caught together. So that's, that's I mean, I'm, there'll be more on that later because I'm making a TV show about that. So that'll be yes. on. I'll, I'll talk to you again about that. And we get really heavy on a Sunday. We, why do we have to have these really heavy conversations? It's hurting my head. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, but I'm, I am looking forward to that show. That's the Discovery Plus show, Richard Hammond's workshop. Yeah, well, yes. Uh, that one. But I mean, the good thing is you can see sort of elements of it in the cars. Actually, the start point for lockdown is very much that. It's about 
what the cars meant to us. Why, as a child, did I look through the rain-streaked window of my suburban semi in Birmingham and see on the drive a grey Vauxhall Viva? When I turned around and looked on the television and there was a bright orange Dodge Charger. Well, why haven't we got one of those? Why aren't those sold? Or even if we didn't have one, why didn't I look out on a street full of them and it would lift my heart and make me feel good and positive? Um, and that's, that was the start point for the show. Um, and then we explored it <laughs> with various disasters and problems. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's a terrific show. And and what I love as well, like you've said, it's, a, it's part of a two-parter. Do, do we know when we will be seeing part two? Um, no, and I'm not allowed to say anything. <laughs> I can try and be a and dance around the question. Oh, well, absolutely. And then distract you with another answer. But I'm just going to say, no, I'm not allowed. I'll be in trouble. Uh, but there is, a, there is a second part to it, another one that we've done. Again, well, whilst we were unable to travel the globe, we've had great fun, in fact, making these warmer, lighter, um, friendlier shows. And I think people will enjoy them. Yes, I'm very much. I'm, I'm confident people with, will enjoy them if they haven't already. It came out a couple of days ago. So, uh, and, of course, the other thing, Richard, is you know, this, this effectively replaced one that you had all lined up and set up in Russia, which I believe yeah. there's, there's still the ambition to get that one made. There is, yeah, we'd still love to. It was a great story and a great adventure, um, and we, yeah, we'll, we'll 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 persevere. It's you know what you can't do is commit to these things because you're committing a lot of people, a lot of time. You know, a lot of people are freelance, and you're tying them down to say, right, we're going to be there for two weeks. That's mm-hmm. two weeks, and then you say, oh, sorry, we can't. Well, what are we going to do now? We've got to earn a living, so we we have to be a bit careful with what we're committing to until we know we absolutely can realistically commit. Yes. But we will organize it that's for the grown-ups to do i <laughs> see there's that humble thing again <laughs> i love it i get off it what am i doing right here i go and then do my best Brilliant. Brilliant. And your best is always serving up such excellence. It's, it's terrific. Uh, your, you mentioned that your cars got trucked off yesterday. I believe they're, they're heading to the Silverstone Classic for an auction. <laughs> They will be there on Sunday. I know I'm going to be there as well, watching from behind <laughs> through my fingers. Um, yeah, yeah, they will be. Yeah, they will be going. I've been quite strong so far. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is the one you're? Which is the one you're most sad to part with? Uh, weirdly, it's a Lotus Esprit 350 oh, um, because so. the grey one, the silver grey one. Yeah, they only made 49. It's chassis number five. Mm. It's utterly. I had it restored. It's, I, 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 I almost, there's an element of self-flagellation about selling that one. It's really making myself think, okay, Rich, if you're going to make this business work, sell something that hurts to sell. So I have. <laughs> but I'm, yeah, that's going to, that's going to, oh, that's going to great. Yes. That, got to be done. But got to be done. Of, think of the number of spanners you'll be able to buy as a result and the oil and all the rest of the bits you'll need. Taking big, grown-up, middle-aged business decisions as part of my midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations to you. Um, I look forward to speaking again, Richard. I mean, lockdown is great fun. I'm convinced that our audience, in particular, being a car skewing audience, have either already seen it or have it in the planner to watch urgently. Um, do, you, do you want to give it one final push? Well, lockdown is us three. Um, I'd say back to our best in a, a warm, friendly environment, exploring a ridiculous question, but it will resonate with a surprisingly large number of people, exploring some of the most beautiful scenery the world has to offer in Scotland. Like a pro. Yeah. I, I doff my hat to you, sir. Thank you very much, Richard. It's been an absolute pleasure.
Absolute pleasure. Always a joy. I'll talk to you again soon. I've no doubt. I look forward to it. Take care. Have a great day. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Well, I'm elated to welcome to the show the man, the myth, the hair that is now the remarkable Mr. James May. How are you doing, James? Uh, very well, thank you. Thank you for the compliment to the hair. I don't get very many of those. It's looking resplendent, if, if James. A... <laughs> thank you. You, I mean, um, you could be yeah. you could be in a prog rock band. Uh, people have people have accused me of that. Yeah. Saying somebody sent me a message the other day saying I really enjoyed your keyboard playing in the progressive rock group. Yes, um, <laughs> that was sarcasm. <laughs> Owner of a lonely heart. It's a it's a big hit. <laughs> yes, oh wasn't it? Yes, yes. I mean you're talking about my teenage years now. God, mm. love it. Well, I mean you've got the musical skill to back it up, James. This could be a fun sideline, couldn't it? What a yes tribute band. Yeah. Um, is there a demand for one? I mean, I'd come and watch, so there's an audience of at least one. You'd have to, you have to come up with a, a, a silly name, don't you, basically, you know, like Bjorn Again, or, you know, everybody always comes up with a, with a name for a tribute band that is close to the original, but that's difficult when your band was called Yes. Well, you could do, you how, could, you, how about you dress up in French gear and just call yourself We? We, yeah, or Ya. Yeah. If you did it in Lederhosen. <laughs> that's, uh, that's better, yes. Or yesh. <laughs> yeah, for Dutch. Brilliant. I mean, can we, can we make this yeah. happen, James? I'm, I'm up for this. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> frankly. Right, right. Well, that's... I'm not, I mean, I, I do like some bits of prog rock, and I listened to some when I was a kid, but I, I find it a bit... It's, it's a little bit intense and, and a little bit... Um, I'm trying to think of a polite way of describing it. It's 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 sort of for frustrated teenage boys somehow, not for grown ups. <laughs> you know, this is a huge shame. You've shattered my illusion here, James. I had this picture of you sitting with one of those multi-tiered Hammond organs, maybe a Roland or a Korg on the side, and just going for it. That would have been that would have been special. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I've never really tried that multi-keyboard. You're, you're thinking of a sort of Rick Wakeman setup I, where he's got I two am, yeah. one to the left, three to the right, yeah. And he, he supposedly does his emails the same way as, as how the joke goes. <laughs> but uh, I've never actually tried that. I just play the piano a bit, to be honest. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll have a go later on, seeing if I can work out roundabouts or one of those 
one of those Yes Classics. You see, I knew the name of the Yes Classic, so that's quite worrying. You d- I was surprised that owner of Lonely Heart came back to me. I mean, that, that really took me by, by a shock. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of maybe belying my age here. James, I've realised... Yeah, that's, that's like dating Yes. Mm. Isn't it? Isn't it? Um, James, I've realised that the last time we spoke, where we had a lovely conversation, which had such a great reaction, by the way, is exactly one year ago. Is it? To the day. To the day. Wow. Maybe it's, maybe it's fated then. I quite like that. I like that we chat to each other at the end of every July. I, th- I think this works. What should we talk about next year? Anything could have happened by <laughs> Well, so, quite. Well, last year, so one year ago, you had to move a few times for our chat because you had the builders in. Have they have they finished? Uh, well, builders have never really finished, is my theory. A bit <laughs> like art. They just eventually give up. So, yes, they have gone. There are a couple of tiny little things that don't work quite right. We're missing some window blinds. Uh, we're missing a... a we're missing a small controller for the pump in the central heating system, which means the pump runs at the wrong time. Okay, so that has been fixed next week, supposedly. Wow. Did you? I'm sorry to pry, but did you have a lot done? Because you were really surprised we were, we were able to get over an hour of them being quiet because you said it wasn't like that typically last time. No, well, I mean, it's a, it's a whole new house that's oh. been built. Um, but I think when I spoke to you, so last time I spoke to you, let me just, Dates have become confusing to me. So we're at the end of July. So at the end of July last year, I was in the, the rented house over the road whilst the new house was being built on the plot of my old house, opposite side of the street. But at the same time, the house next door to the one that we were renting, I think it was they were they were taking down the scaffolding that had been up for about a year. And they hadn't been able to take it down because of COVID restrictions. And they finally decided they could on the day I was talking to you. Brilliant. So every every sort of 45 seconds, a scaffolding pole falls from a height of about 30 feet and hits the, the pavement, you know. <laughs> there's, there's really no way around it. <laughs> well, you styled it out brilliantly. I mean, I don't think the listener knew, so it was uh, it, it worked just great. And thank you for that. I, maybe, I appreciate it. Maybe they just think that's what, that, that, that's what the noise is like in my house all the time. <laughs> maybe they just think there's somebody permanently hidden things with scaffolding poles. <laughs> I mean, if it's going to be in anyone's house, James, it'll be in yours. I mean, the idea that there's a sort of constant scaffold that kind of revolves around the house is is quite compelling, I think. Yeah, well, the weird thing is, I was talking to someone about this only yesterday. Two things I really enjoy watching if I'm sort of out for a walk or a bike ride is people putting up scaffolding and bricklaying. I could watch both of those things for the rest of my life. I find it all immensely satisfying. And yet, I you know, it was it was scaffolders that ruined our radio. So <laughs> there must be some sort of reverse karma. Have you ever? I I took great pleasure in once self building a scaffolding tower, which I really enjoyed. I'm useless at building anything, and I found it thoroughly rewarding. It, it's deeply satisfying. Yes, I've done it with a couple of mates. I've done a, a few bits of um, scaffolding, and. You can get a bit of a rhythm going. Now, when you watch the professionals do it, they're they're fantastic because they lob the bits to each other and they have a system of sort of kicking each other's hands out of the way to make sure nobody gets, you know, nobody's arm gets trapped between two pieces or anything like that. And it's it's quite, it's almost like a dance routine sometimes. The, the blokes generally don't look like dancers, it has to be said, but they, they sort of move a bit like them. They're very choreographed, very coordinated. Whereas when you do it as an amateur, you tend to put one bit up and then a half side and then go to the other end and think, is that bit in the right position? I'll just loosen that a bit and give it a bit of a 
takes all day. But I've watched some pros scaffold the front of a three-story building in in half an hour. I mean, it's 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 fantastic. That's mega, James. We're seven minutes into our chat. I need to look at more things. um, (laughs) No. It's a bit like, I don't know if you've ever heard, I, I'm not sure you're a podcast user, James, but there is a, a podcast by Bob Mortimer called Atletico Mints, where he uh, where he does a comedy version of Peter Beardsley, the ex-England footballer. And one of Peter's favourite hobbies is simply staring at anything. Curtains, yeah. the window, bus stops, whatever it might be. It's It's glorious. I haven't I haven't heard that and I will I will look that up because I'm a bit of a I'm accused of being a starer myself by quite a few of my friends and my other half. She says I will pick up something quite quite modest like a, a pen or a disposable cigarette lighter or a, a paper clip and then just look at it for ages. And I'm not just staring. I like examining the thing. I like examining the details of things. But I, I appreciate that it probably does come across as slightly moronic staring. Richard Hammond <laughs> always accused me staring at things <laughs> oh brilliant well happy days i mean so far so far james we've got you <laughs> we've got you in a prog rock band doing some scaffolding and staring at paper clips it's not it's it, yeah. possibly not the greatest advert for lockdown but nonetheless a lovely chat yes well I mean, lockdown did actually provide opportunities to do quite a lot of things that we possibly neglect at other times, so I did a, I did things like some woodwork that that allowed me to stare at a lot of tools for quite a long time. Um, I did some piano practice, so I could stare at some music, and I did quite a bit of cooking. Um, I learned, tried to learn a bit of German. I wrote a cookbook. Lots of things that I probably wouldn't have got round to doing had we not been forced to pretty much stay inside. So yeah, so those of us who secretly like tinkering and meddling and indeed staring and listening to yes uh, or king crimson <laughs> in that respect it was a great opportunity i realized there was a downside and it was very miserable for a lot of people but at least for those of us who stare it was a fabulous opportunity <laughs> time well spent oh brilliant <laughs> and, and james how, how about the other lockdown the uh, the scottish lockdown i i can't say it properly my apologies for trying there but of course the, no, the grand I, I, I've had a bit of stick about how because some of you were saying, "Oh, yeah, you, you know, you're just mocking the Scottish language by pronouncing lock as as lock, lock as lock." And I said, "No, no, we're trying to. That, that's not the joke. The joke is that it's lock, lockdown. But apparently, I'm not doing it right either. It's lock. <laughs> that was pretty good. It's I can't a, do it. it's a slippery slope, going. James. I'm I'm scared of getting it wrong and then getting all the trolls come out and tell me off. But nonetheless, yeah, exactly. It, <laughs> We'll get the cultural misappropriation thing going if you're not careful. Well, you know it's going to happen. So the Grand Tour presents L-O-C-H down. I'm just going to say it that way because it's safest. It's out. Yeah. It's great fun. I've got to start off, James. I spoke to Richard about this yesterday, and I hope you don't mind me picking you up on this. You, well, you do seem to spend quite a lot of time in the bathroom. Uh, no, not really. Um, oh, you're thinking about the, the, the trick they pay on me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, but I, I don't mean you make frequent visits to the lavatory. I mean, when you go, you seem you mean to... Like, you really? Day. Yeah. What they, what they neglected to say in the in the commentary was that, I yes, I did go to the bathroom, but I also went and got them all cups of tea, which is obviously quite a complicated <laughs> operation. But yes. of course, they won't... 
Yes, no, that that's fair enough. They they left that out, and I did. I thought to myself, who on earth? I mean, my eldest son can spend a bit of time, but this you made him look like a, a like the Flash. That was that was a lengthy because I'm I've not done the maths, but I imagine filling a caravan full of water, even using the fire brigade uh, hose, is not a sort of thirty second thing. No, it's not 30 seconds, but they do even spend 30 seconds off. I mean, apart from anything else, it's a great opportunity to stare at your phone for a bit. So take advantage of it. That's feel true. like rushing food. Never do that. No, no, no. Too right. Too right. James, when you when you returned to find your, your cow-like caravan filled with water, uh, I'm... I'm not trying to give away too many spoilers here. I don't want to sort of share too many of the the big sort of hilarious moments from the show, but I'm working on the assumption lots of our audience will have seen it by now. You, the, the force of the water that hit you genuinely looked pretty severe. Was it, was it as dramatic as it seemed? Yes. I mean, it, it's a, I never worked out unusually for me. I didn't calculate the, the, the weight of water that goes in a, in a caravan of that size, but it, it's a loss, isn't it? I mean, it yeah. must be, it must actually be two tons of water. Now, obviously, it doesn't all hit you in one go, and it's not like a, a solid two-ton piece of wood or steel or anything. But, yes, I mean, it knocked me off my feet. Yes. This is why you have to be very careful with, um, you know, big waves at the seaside and so on. Water is a very powerful medium and can do, as well as we've seen historically, uh, incredible damage, and it can hurt you as well. If it hits you hard enough, it is effectively solid, which is why you should never jump out of fast-moving boats. Fair play. Yes, absolutely. Not, not, the, not that I'm going to, but... <laughs> no, but these are, we're here for this life advice, James, and I, and, I, and I appreciate it. I mean, water did play quite a theme. There was the, obviously the caravan moment. There was plenty of rain and, and lots of mist, of course. And then it, it seemed to me like Richard almost drowned. Um, yes. It was a, it's a, it, it was a, you get your hopes up, don't you, when you see, I, I think you're talking about the bit during the bridge building and the, and the boat incident. Yeah, he capsized. Yeah, yeah, when he capsized, he, yeah. he genuinely seemed to, that, that again, like the caravan moment with you, I didn't look rehearsed or planned. It looked completely. Oh, no, no, definitely not. No, I mean, I, 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 I sort of missed it because I was looking away as it happened. And when I turned back round, he was, the, the boat had just gone. And I thought, well, how, I, I, I just, I was completely baffled. It didn't occur to me that he'd actually sunk it. I mean, how does a boat just disappear? And then I realised what he'd done, and I thought, he's so hopeless. He's managed to sink a, I can't remember what the engine was in the boat, something like four horsepower or three horsepower. I mean, it hasn't it hasn't got the strength to get itself into trouble, that boat, but Hammond managed to crash it. He's an absolute master. Yes, he and boats really don't get on. I mean, it's, <laughs> but that was, yeah, everyone's. I'm not, I'm not sure he and cars get on that well, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, you guys have made a heck of a successful living out of him not getting on, not getting on with these things. So it's probably to the, to the benefit, really, ultimately. Yes, I think it probably is. It would be, it would be rather dull if everything just worked properly Absolutely. and went as planned. I mean, nobody really wants to see that. People have, the viewers enjoy seeing us failing, being miserable, suffering, getting dirty, getting covered in crap, sinking, crashing, breaking down, having punctures, all these things. The program, to an extent, works because people enjoy our suffering. It possibly makes, if people have had a bad day, 
uh, you know, miserable, boring day at work, or they've got problems with house insurance, you know, all those boring things that happen in life. But then you can watch some bloke fall in the loch or get covered in brown stuff driving through a part of um, unmade road, then maybe it sort of reassures people that everything will be okay. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, no, that's a very... It's very difficult. <laughs> it's difficult to watch it as a viewer, obviously, because I know what's going to happen and I'm in it. But um, maybe if you... If you if you don't know, you know if you are a, a regular viewer, a normal person, maybe I should say, maybe it does come as a bit of a relief to see somebody else get a face full of mud or water or something like that. Well, it's I mean, it's just one thing that's guaranteed is when you put the three of you together, add in some vehicles and a, and, and a loosely framed challenge, comedy is going to ensue. So it's always yeah, a win. I don't. I, I'd love to say it's a gift, but I don't think it is. I think it's just something that happened james let's let's talk about because we haven't given out the premise which is in case anyone hasn't seen it yet this is the three of you let's talk about the timeline from it you get a phone call to learn that russia's off then what happens um then we have a bit of a panic and have to think of something else and we we have to think about where we are going to be able to go i mean when when COVID started, um, I mean, the timing of it was very unfortunate. We were about to leave for Russia. We were, you know, mere days away from setting off. Mm. Um, and then the whole COVID thing kicked in and stopped it. And, and of course, at first, most people thought a bit like they did with World War One. you know, it would be over in a few months. But of course, it wasn't. And it's been going on and on and on. And eventually, we had to admit defeat and, and realize we'd, we'd have to think more about going to a place that we could definitely go to. And that uh, was not very many places at all. But then we realised, well, Scotland, you know, assuming they will let us in, which they did, um, Scotland is a fa- actually a fantastic place to film. I've done all sorts of things up there. We've done stuff with Grand Tour in the past and Top Gear before that in Scotland. It's got fabulous scenery. Yes. Uh, lovely roads. The interesting weather, shall we say. <laughs> um, so, so we settled on Scotland. And the, the, the premise of the story about the American cars and why didn't we have them is actually something we've been, we've been talking about on and off for many years. It's, it's, a, it's a sort of late night, have a beer type debate that we've had many times and that, that eventually grew into the idea for a show. And it is an interesting question. I mean, when we're looking at that era that, that we tend to get a little bit sentimental about. So it's, you know, the seven, the late 70s, early 80s. Well, I suppose mid-70s onwards. Yeah. We did see a lot of those American cars on TV and in films. And we, you know, we admired them. And we, we loved Starsky and Hutch's Torino and, and so on. And then it never really occurred to us, you know, why don't our mum and dads have cars like that? Why have we got an Austin Allegro or a, or a Morris Marino? It, it all seems so modest and unambitious and a bit meek. Whereas the Americans, you know, as well as having bigger fridges and, and better equipped schools and, and nicer swimming pools and better weather, they also had these incredibly glamorous, monstrous cars. And and we didn't. And why didn't we? And and we really set off to see if there was a, a good pragmatic reason why we didn't have them. You have to watch the show to see what our conclusions are, but they're not quite as obvious as you'd expect. Yes, this is true. Although the, the one thing that I think you'd know without even watching the show is the size challenge. And and I, th- I believe you had the biggest. You had the Cadillac that was, what, 20 foot long? 
yes, it is an enormous car, quite wide as well as being quite long, which is particularly significant when you're going down, uh, say, the back streets of Edinburgh or some of those small country roads in Scotland or indeed in England. Yeah, I, I, I mean, was it uncomfortable at times? I don't mean in terms of the seating position, but I just mean in the sure having to do the maths between can I fit? Yes, I mean, the car definitely wasn't uncomfortable. I mean, it was a very, very nice place to lounge around. Um, but it's there's something not quite right about your choice of car when you have to do a bit of forward planning to make sure it fits. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Most of us don't generally do that. No. If you're driving that Cadillac around quite a lot of the British Isles, you would have to do a bit of you would have to do a bit of forward planning. A bit like you know, the drivers of lorries with exceptional loads. You know, they're moving a moving a wide bulldozer or something. They they have to do quite a lot of planning to make sure they don't go somewhere where their load won't fit, and they have to be very very sure they don't take a wrong turning or the wrong exit off the motorway because they can be in all sorts of trouble. Now, that, that's the sort of responsibility you have to take driving the Cadillac around the back roads of Scotland because, I mean, you could end up quite horribly wedged. The thing could become just part of the scenery for the rest of the time. Yes. Yes, it, it could become like that famous uh, movie moment with, uh, with the golf trolley that takes, what is it, like 100, 100 goes to make a three-point turn. Uh, oh, yes, 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 yes. Sorry, you mean like the, the golf buggy, the golf car? Yeah, the, the, the Austin yeah. Powers thing. Yes. You know what I mean? Could, yes. yes. That three-point turn is very difficult. Yeah, that would give me chills, actually. I don't, I don't think I would enjoy that at all, three-point turning a Cadillac. That would... Yeah, well, and, and it's definitely not three points either. It's going to be a lot, a lot more than that. It's always an odd number, but um, it's going to be more than three. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's that's fair enough. Um, James, you were tasked. I feel a little bit like your your role in the trio was slightly different this time out. I feel like you were you were sort of looking after everyone. I know you've solved the puzzles and found the treasure and so on and so forth in the past, but but you sort of seemed to take on quite a paternal role with the others. You were doing all the cooking, for example, obviously comedy cooking, but nonetheless, is that something you had volunteered to do, or is it did that just happen? No, I think I was volunteered to do that because I'd made a recently made a cooking series yes. for Amazon. Oh, cook! So I think that that was that was a bit of a piss take by the others. Really, <laughs> James has to do all the cooking. Now, obviously, in reality, I wouldn't deep fry everything. We're just we're just playing up to an old meme there, um, and, and a very unfair one, to be honest. I don't I don't believe the the you know the deep fried Mars bar yes. thing that people all believe about Scotland. I actually don't believe it. I think at some point, somebody who ran probably a fish and chip shop put a Mars bar in the, in the batter and fried it just as a bit of a joke. And then it turned into a news story because it was such a ridiculous idea. And then briefly, a few people turned up and said, let me try this deep fried Mars bar. And of course, it tastes pretty disgusting. Um, and that was the end of that. I don't actually believe Scottish people on a Friday night or a Sunday morning think, mm, I think I'm going to have a deep fried Mars bar. I, I, I don't believe it. It was just an elaborate joke. <laughs> from many, many years ago, actually, I can't even remember when I first heard about it. It was probably 25 years ago. Yeah, I mean... If you go to a, if you go to a chip shop in Scotland and it says deep fried Mars bar on the menu, that, that is just a joke. It's put there so that people coming from England can go, oh, they've got deep fried Mars bars. But nobody actually has one. I'm still intrigued to try one, though. Now we're talking about it, James. I'm still sort of, I, I, I quite like to give it a go. Have you tried the Mars bar? Uh, I have, yes. 
Um, and you can probably give it a go if you simply take a Mars bar to your local chip shop and ask them to do it. They, <laughs> yeah. They'll either say yes or they'll throw you out through the window. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, to be honest, you'll only try it once. Oh, fair enough. I mean, you, you Cod, did... Cod is just better. Or Haddock. It's true, actually. That's it's, but, but isn't it great, though, as a result? Yes, actually, you're talking about this. I'm at, what time of the day is it? And I'm actually feeling like I want some fish and chips because we're talking about batter. Isn't that weird? I'm so suggestible. <laughs> like Pavlov's dog. I love this. Yeah. We, start, we start talking about deep fried anything and you're, you're in there. Yeah, I mean, you did, obviously, for, for the show, for the com- comedic purposes, you did deep fry everything. So you have tried a range of different foods, fully deep fried. The reaction to most of it didn't go down brilliantly, but there must have been a few little tidbits that were actually like, do you know what? Deep fried, this is okay. Well, uh, I mean, it's not, it it isn't, deep fried Mars bar aside, it's not an entirely ludicrous idea because, for example, I tried to do the the deconstructed kedgeri. So some of that is smoked fish. Now, there's no reason why you wouldn't batter that and deep fry it. We do that all the time. That's, you know, one type of fish and chips and then you've got rice well you could make a rice ball and batter it but the japanese wouldn't think that was particularly ridiculous neither would people in thailand i don't think they would do something similar to that and then if you you know if you deep fry some vegetables put them in batter that's just tempura really it's a different type of batter japanese make a very very light batter whereas uh, you know in 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 britain in scotland and england certainly it tends to be quite quite weighty but the idea is exactly the same. So I found, to my surprise, I'll be honest, most most ingredients of the kedgeri separated and deep fried still were very tasty. Not not as nice as a proper kedgeri, but nevertheless, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't offensive. And then later on, for example, I it's, it's always difficult to identify things once you've deep fried them. That's part of the problem. Because <laughs> I gave. I mean, Richard Hammond had one of my battered deep-fried sausages, but that's not an unusual idea either. You get that in most chip shops in Britain. absolutely. So, you know, if you... you, I don't want to turn this into a sort of promotional for deep-frying everything because it's it's something that should be done with discretion. But make a good quality batter. um, There's nothing wrong with it as an idea. Yes. Balance it out with some nice, healthy greens. Absolutely. And I would suggest not three meals a day, every day. That would just be a little tiresome. No, that would be bad. And you'd also be consuming too many eggs and you'd become egg-bound or one of those things that my grandmother would have told me I shouldn't do. Egg-bound? What's that? Well, it's basically, that it's the thing that old people used to say, that if you ate more than two eggs a day, you would effectively be constipated for three days or something. And they used to refer to it as being egg-bound. <laughs> In the way that eggs are used to bind foods together, you know, if you make a fish cake, you can put an egg yolk in it to make it all stick together yeah. while you grill it. The same thing apparently happens in your bowels, or maybe it doesn't. It may have been a complete myth. I've never experimented by eating loads of eggs and then seeing if I can't take a dump. <laughs> well, I mean, we've got so many new plans. I'm, I'm excited by this, James. There's the, there's the egg-bound test. There's the non-prog rock band that we're going to not set up there's the scaffolding and the staring uh, this is uh, this is a life-changing conversation yeah it's not an experiment i'm going to rush to do to be honest no 
No, but they're, they're there if, if lockdown continues and, and happens again, etc. There's just more things that we can we can try, more games to play. Uh, James, let's talk about the future of the Grand Tour, because, of course, lockdown was part one uh, of, a, of a UK two-parter. What's, yeah. what's the next adventure going to involve and, and any any clues about when we'll be seeing that one? Well, I, I, um, no, I can't, I can't <laughs> really say because I've been, I've been told not to, but it is. It is in the UK again. We've already filmed it. It's in the in the process of being logged, I suppose, and edited. Um, it invo- it, it's quite a. I can say it's quite a carry one. It is definitely about cars, and when when it's going to be on it later. Well, they, ha- they haven't actually said when they're going to put it out. I, I could make an educated guess, but if I do that, they'll then change it to something else, and I'll look like an idiot, like I did last time. So. Um, in the future, as I've said to several other people, there is you get to see Loch Loch down, and then there is a very long intermission during which you can have an ice cream or indeed go on holiday or find a new job. And then part two <laughs> of our blockbuster double bill will come out. Excellent. Well, or you could just be egg bound for a little, and then it'll arrive. I mean, once the, once the, once the second one comes out, of course, if you've managed to hold off until then, you can binge watch them back to back. There you go. There you go. I mean, that's the beautiful thing of the streaming service, isn't it? You can you can just choose when you when you consume things, and so yeah, if you wanted to if you wanted to yeah, hang tight for the double, you can do that. It is remarkable because I'm I'm old enough to remember a time when things were on the TV, and if you didn't see them, they were gone forever. And this is before we even had a VHS recorder. So back when I was a lad, and and when certain things happen, it's a bit like when you know England makes it through to the finals of the Euro. James Bond film was on TV or, or something like that, the, the world would go slightly quiet. Yes. Because people had to stay home and watch it. If we didn't watch it then, they'd missed it yes. forever. Absolutely. And it was gone. Yeah. And so streaming services are, are still seem pretty miraculous to me. And YouTube is miraculous as well. I can just choose something and watch it right there in bed. Yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. We're, we're very, very lucky, actually. Uh, then after this second UK one, are we thinking the world will be open enough to, to resume Russia? Um, yes, or something like it, but I, I, I'm wary of saying that we will eventually do it. Of course, these things are postponed. They're not cancelled. But I, I remember saying when, when the first lockdown started, I said we shouldn't make any films that show us in masks and all that because by the time it comes out, it'll all be over and people won't want to be reminded of it. And then, mm. of course, a year and a half later, we're still very much dealing with it. So I was, I can put my hand up and say I was talking absolute crap on that one. So I'm not going to say when we will do the next ones or which countries we're going to be allowed to go to, but it will happen. Good, good. I, this, that's all I'm trying to ascertain is, is simply that the Grand Tour lives on. Oh, yes. No, no, we definitely haven't given up. <laughs> good. That's all right, then. You said that with a sort of pause. Good. No, I mean, well, I... I no, I could, because I think one or two people have, have assumed that we have or that we somehow can't be bothered or we're finding it too difficult. It's not It's not really that. It's just, it's you know, it's boring old logistics and permissions and things. But as soon as we've got them, as soon as we can make it work, we'll we'll get on and do it. Yes. No, it's important to, to establish that, James, because, you know, we're seeing Richard doing his classic workshop. We're seeing Jeremy on the farm. You're cooking and exploring all sorts of other territories. It's important to, to kind of reaffirm that, that the three of you will continue to be grand touring for as long as possible. 
we will continue to be ground touring. Yes, I can definitely confirm that unless one of us dies, which is becoming more likely by the day. <laughs> That's a bit macabre, but I guess, yeah, mathematically. Well, we're old. <laughs> <laughs> we're old and we're, we're old and frail. <laughs> Oh dear, uh, James. Just just for the for the fin- the big finish. Could you could you do the big sell for me? I'm sure there's a party line that that uh, that needs to be spouted about lockdown because it's it's a terrific watch. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. But can you sum it up for me? I'm just I'm just going to look at my briefing notes and see if they've given me a <laughs> uh, avoid mentioning this. Yes, I say good to me. The Grand Tour presents Lockdown will be available from Friday on Amazon Prime Video, the first of a two-part UK-based special binge-watch box set. Well then, <laughs> that was—I mean—that was read like a VO artist, James. You could—you could. I'm taking that as I went along. I mean, the facts are correct, but the, the word, I was trying to think. I was, trying, I was hunting for the words. Is it binge set box? What? No, it's box box set binge watch. That's it. Binge watch a box set. Brilliant. Happy days. James, thank you so much for your company. It's it's always, always good to talk to you. And it's nice to hear that, that life has moved on in the 12 months since since we last spoke, despite the fact that everything continues to be utterly bizarre in the world. Everything is utterly bizarre. But yes, I, I, I hope I've used the time reasonably constructively. And I'm now going to go off and find the Yes songbook and work out a couple of little riffs and things on the keyboard. I really hope that's true. I really hope that's true. That would be brilliant if it is. It's quite complicated stuff, actually. Yes, thinking back to it, I'm thinking about Roundabout and um, what's the other one that was always played when I was a teenager? Oh God, um, I'm... I can't remember that. No, it's it's gone. It's gone, but it'll come back to me, and then I'll I'll be able to find it on on Spotify or Amazon Music, and then I'd sit down and work it out laboriously at the keyboard like I used to when I was a lad. For some reason, I know it's not the same, but for some reason it always makes me think of the Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds. Oh, God, yes. I listen to that a lot. I've still got my copy of that. Um, On vinyl, obviously, because that's pretty much all we had back then. And, yeah, we used to that that used to be a bit of a party event amongst me and sit in the dark and listen to the whole album. Well, it's, I mean, that is huge. That is, I mean, that is quite brilliant, isn't it, to be fair? Yes, and it's also, I mean, what year did it come out? I can't even remember. I'm, I'm going to look it up whilst I'm talking to you. Uh, Jeff Wayne, musical version of The War of the Worlds, May 1976 to July 1977. It took a year to record. Is that right? Wow. Re- released in 1978. I would have put it earlier than that, but. No, that's cool. I had a very magic moment that I think you'll appreciate, James. Uh, about two weeks ago, I was talking to Michael Sheen, you know, the, the, the brilliant actor, Michael Sheen. Yes. Uh, who, of course, is from Port Talbot. And for some reason, we started talking about Richard Burton. And he literally launched into the opening monologue from War of the Worlds in, in a perfect Burton impression. Really? It was fantastic. See, I'm now thinking I'm going to have to dig that out and listen to it as well because I haven't listened to it for some years. Oh, it, it is it is superb. It is superb. And actually, hearing Michael's impression of that opening was I loved it. I mean, it was a very very cool moment for me. Yeah. You know, I guess I can see the cover. Yes, I'm, I know exactly where it is. I'll go and find it. Well, not right now, but yeah, <laughs> later on today. Well, it sounds like you've got a brilliant day ahead. Fish and chips, War of the Worlds, maybe a bit of scaffolding, some staring, sorted. 
Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it for you. If you do, if you do learn some of the yes riffs, will you, you've got my number. Will you just send a, a little video? I won't share it, but I'll just be intrigued. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll do, um, I'll do a, sound, a sound file. I'd love that. That you can then turn into a phone ring or something like that. All right. That would be... An that, alert. That's that's a, all right. If you do it, that would be, that would be wonderful, if you'd be so kind. That, I'd, I'd thoroughly appreciate that. Okay, don't hold your breath, then. <laughs> I won't. I will... I, no, I won't hold my breath. But I, I thank you very much for your company, James. It's, it's been really, really good to talk again. I, I thoroughly appreciate it. Yeah, and you. I'll see you next year. <laughs> yeah, same time, same place. Good stuff. We're still alive and we're still doing stuff, yes. We will be. That's, that's the plan. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The very end and it's john markar here again reminding you that this podcast the driven chat podcast has now run its course and has come to an end to find the new format search the driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps thanks bye